Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties 2. This episode features one of the three guests on my hour-long NPR show, heard every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it has broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know, because I care about people who care about cats, dogs, and other creatures who share our planet. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival and the New York Cat Film Festival, which travel America and Canada supporting local animal welfare groups. I could not bring you this show without the support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian who's created a variety of litters to please any cat, as well as inventing clean protein cat foods based on the protein found in cats' natural prey. This show is also made possible with the generous sponsorship of Waruva, the family-owned foreman pet food company named after their rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa, where all their recipes in cans and pouches are human edible because they're made in a human food facility. Good enough for you to eat, but your cats won't appreciate that. I'm so delighted to talk to a really innovative woman, Alexis Telfair Garcia is the fairly new, like nearly brand new, social work program development manager at Austin Pets Alive, which is one of the pretty famous pet shelters in this country. It's innovative, it's successful, it has enormous followers. But Alexis, what you've come to do is some pretty original and interesting ways of community basing good works for animals along with good works for humans. And I personally love that intersection where it's not just about animals. It's like, what else is going on in our community with people and how the animals are already maybe helping them in some way, but how can such a vibrant and successful shelter be that bridge? At least that's how I'm understanding what you're, what you're planning. Yeah. Hi, Tracy. Thanks for having me. I think that, um, we are really excited to intertwine animal services and human services together mm-hmm. um, and see and kind of bridge that gap of where animal services kind of meet the barriers and challenges that a lot of humans are facing, right? Yes. When we're thinking about unemployment, homelessness, right? We're coming out of the, the throes of the COVID-19 pandemic and all the challenges and barriers that have come up for people during that time all of these animals are also being hugely impacted, right? Their homes are being impacted. They're finding themselves to be homeless. We are thinking of ways to to bridge that gap so that way people don't have to surrender their animals. Which, which is, you know, it always sounds good when someone says it, but in your case, they actually have hired you to do this and to implement programs. It always sounds good when a shelter says that, but, you know, how much can an animal shelter do for humans unless they get somebody who is focused on the humans and can do social work for humans at the same time? Mental illness, homelessness, unemployment, these things are so, even hoarding, are so dire. But unless you have someone who's focused on the human side of it, all you people can sort of do is wring their hands and say, tisk tisk. I love that you're doing something that I hope will be a model for other shelters who have the resources, of course, they have to already be really successful, right? And have the money and the, the mental space to do more than just save animal lives. They can also 
reach out and either improve the lives of humans or maybe even save their lives. The work you're doing and planning to do with in, interns who are working age teenagers in foster care rings a huge bell for me. I think that your average person, unless they've been a foster parent, which I have, doesn't realize what happens to teens in foster care as they're as their fostering ends and they're out in the world without much of a security blanket or a safety net or a plan. Can you talk about what you're hoping to do for the for the kids in Austin who maybe can find a whole career and a life through Austin Pets Alive? Sure. So we are partnering with a local foster care agency that is really excited to be working with us because they have found that, you know, a lot of the barriers that children in foster care face are really impacting them throughout their entire lives, mm-hmm. right? The trauma, mental illness, mm-hmm. um, the lack of ability to form meaningful relationships with people that mm-hmm. are long lasting is really difficult for them, right? And as a social worker who used to work with foster care youth, I'm also really equipped to kind of understand that trauma and those challenges firsthand. And so we are partnering with them to one, kind of create this uh, funnel of the next generation of animal welfare workers, right? We want to continue to create space for people to be a part of this great, great work that we're doing at APA and other animal shelters across the country. And we are saying, hey, these children right now have an opportunity to connect with animals, connect with other uh, kids in foster care, and connect with our volunteers who are really doing so much work for our animals and are now being given the opportunity to then give back in this way. And so the hope beyond uh, creating that funnel of animal welfare workers, that next generation, is we want to talk about and teach what responsible pet ownership looks like. And so it's really a win-win for us as an animal shelter and for um, these caregivers that are really kind of, you know, giving up a lot in order to be there for the foster kids. I you mean the foster parents? Yes, the foster parents. And I really it, it's very important that that we talk about this and we talk about the dedication and sacrifice of foster parents. There's there's a kind of a a stigma around foster parents. Oh, they could, you we've all read those novels where I don't know, people took in eight kids and and fed them spam and made money on them. That's really not what foster parents do. Yeah. It's often people who have a family of their own, children of their own, and they, out of complete generosity, goodness of heart, take in one or more kids who otherwise will have no home and try to give them a sense of home and of belonging. But as you said, one of the huge challenges once a child enters the foster care system, and the teens have maybe been in the foster care system for the better part of their lives— is that problem of how do you trust people. And it's really a fascinating idea that having them get animals to trust them, to work one-on-one, to be taught how to work with animals, both in basic tasks around the shelter, but perhaps even in uh, walking them or helping to train them or helping to introduce them to prospective adopters eventually, the animals can teach them something about trust. I mean, it's there's a kind of a corniness to it that's based, I think, on truth. And you've lived through this with so many kids. And now you're opening a door for them to try 
another way of finding their trust, their humanity, their sense of self-worth. I think it's just so vital what you're doing. Absolutely. You know, we as animal lovers and people who work in, in the animal welfare field, we know the importance of the human animal bond, right? We yep. know the importance and what we, uh, what we get out of loving an animal and how that love is unconditionally returned to us. And it's so important for kids in foster care who have abandonment um, challenges, who, yes. who struggle with making those connections with other adults to then have an opportunity to have an animal to love and love them back unconditionally, right? Regardless yep. of their circumstances is so important and it's so vital. It's so vital to their overall health and their overall well-being, right? And as they transition into adulthood, that only gets uh, more challenging, right? And so if we're, we're targeting them now at this critical stage before they age out of foster care, right, and, and really enter a different level of adulthood, the hope is that they will learn to form some of these attachments and get some of the soft and hard skills of, of employment. And the employment could be with Austin Pets Alive. I mean, it could be in the animal welfare world where they've gotten this training. And yes, it, it might in some kind of life skills way teach them how they could work in a, I don't know, an auto body shop or a, an office. But maybe it'd be great if they could be the next generation of workers in the shelter because you have burnout and you have people who either volunteers or paid staff who reach a point where they say, I've done this as long as I can. And now you have this lifeblood, this new fresh lifeblood coming in who might very well say, this feels good to me. I feel safe here. I feel needed. I feel wanted. That's a, a pretty rare feeling to have for any teenager, not just a kid in foster care. I mean, all teenagers are kind of at a loss to where they fit in, aren't they? Absolutely. Absolutely, Tracy. You know, I think you you hit the nail right on the head. And I think something else that we are also thinking about is after we've given and taught um, these opportunities and skills to them, right, how can we then create a space for them to absolutely work in our shelters, right? Are yep. they, you know, prepared to work with cats and dogs, right? We are creating a space for them to be not only good uh, welfare, animal welfare workers, but well-rounded workers, right? So they're not going to be concentrating on one species. We want them to learn how to how to train dogs. We want them to learn how to um, deal with with kittens and some of their temperaments that go yes. along there, right? What is, what is the um, the difference between a larger species of dog versus a, a, right. a smaller breed, right? Mm -hmm. How are we um, teaching them how to then be representatives of Austin Pets Alive, nice. right? And, and showing them to, to then take on this responsibility of going out and showing the world what it is to be a responsible pet owner, a person that cares for animals, right? It, it, this program has so many opportunities. I'm so excited about it. We're so um, enthusiastic about it. It's just, I think it's going to be amazing. It, it's an internship program that lasts eight weeks, and you're right. They do become ambassadors for Austin Pets Alive, which is kind of marvelous because you have a huge community, a very vibrant animal community in the Austin area. Tons of homeowners, tons of, and apparently a great deal of wealth coming into town. All of them are going to have pets. Now, maybe some of these kids wind up working for a doggy daycare or a cat haven, well, you know, place yeah. where people bring their kitties or dog walking yeah. Even or dog grooming, right? 
yes, even entrepreneurship, there are opportunities for them to, to figure out, you know, I want to start my own dog walking business, right? Dog wow. grooming, right? What about um, those veterinary technicians and veterinarians, oh, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. We don't, um, our, our children don't get exposure to those fields very often. And so this is a real great way to kind of plug them in early and get them that exposure. So that way, by the time they get to high school and by the time they're thinking about college, this is an extra career path that they could be considering. And then they can focus on just that career path instead of bouncing around unsure, maybe making choices that don't feel right to them and then potentially dropping out, feeling like a failure, feeling like they aren't any good at something when there's no way that working with animals doesn't give you back something that makes you feel good about yourself. I mean, it just, it goes Absolutely. with the territory. There's a, there's yep. a, a company um, that comes out of the Silicon Valley Humane Society called Mutual Rescue, and they've made about a dozen films about animals, dogs, and cats who mutually rescue a human. In one case, it, it's mostly grown-ups, but one was a, and they've been in my, both in my New York Cat Film Festival and Dog Film Festival, and one is called Jade and Trubs, and it was about an autistic child and a cat in a shelter that was nobody wanted any part of the cat, and the cat wanted no part of anybody. And these two really m- meshed and, and felt each other and came together and, and did mutually rescue each other. So I'm just going to put the idea out to you that, because you also have an incredibly vibrant, creative community in Austin, if there were one or more of these working-age teens in foster care who comes to do the internship and a local filmmaker documentarian was interested in following one or more of them, it could make for extraordinary stories and something that everyone could be really proud of. And then I could put it in the dog and cat film festivals because (laughs) these stories are the whole point of the festivals to celebrate what animals and people can do for each other. And the more unusual the way, the better. It shouldn't be the obvious, you know. It's not just the lonely widow lady with her cat. I mean, that's true, but it's more interesting all the ways in which we are enriched by our lives with pets and what they can tell us about ourselves. I think what you're doing is opening up a huge avenue. I think being a teenager is really tough. Being a teenager coming out of foster care is triply tough. And I think your internship program is completely brilliant and it's destined for enormous success. Uh, that's just my prediction. Enormous success. I hope that other shelters will have the resources. They may not have such a specialized social worker as you, but the resources to find a way to incorporate this in their shelters. When you go to, or, or do you think you'll be going to sheltering conventions and conferences and, and talking about this? Because I'd love you to proselytize to others. I believe so. You know, there's definitely opportunity there. We don't have any immediate plans uh, right now, but I think I would love to connect with other shelters. And I think APA has built a foundation as being a leader in the no kill shelter movement, right? We are the model for what this looks like. And so being a part of the model means being innovative. It means getting out there to other shelters and teaching them the way. And also being a person, uh, a group that's open to seeing how other shelters are doing this work if they're already doing this work and kind of seeing how we can exchange resources and ideas and come together to really kind of um, make this uh, entanglement of human and animal services a, a very valuable thing across the nation. 
definitely, and economically really valuable. It gives these kids yes. an idea of what a job could be or what a job could look like. And in your community or in any community where this internship would take place, it gives new potential workers even to work in a pet store. You know, even yes. in a pet store where they would be interacting with humans who are there desperate to know what is the very best shampoo. You know, it's it doesn't have to be critical care issues. It can just be humans can around the campfire with dogs and cats yeah. in the middle, you know, as the thing they're yeah. sort of celebrating. I think it's great. And I think that it will be great for the local economy and for the the Chamber of Commerce, wherever it happens, as well as for these kids who, you know, it can show them some light at the end of what may in some ways in their light, lives have been a bit of a tunnel. Yeah, that's what we hope to do. And we're we're really excited to to get the program up and running and and really see where it goes and how we can replicate it. Well, what I hope once you've got it on up and running and you have a few really standout interns that maybe one of them would like to come on the show either during or after their eight-week internship and talk about it. I think it's really important that they know that we all care what they're doing. They're not alone and you're there for them and the rest of us salute them too. What they're doing matters and how they turn out in life matters. They've lost their original parents and who knows how many others they've had in the meantime. But we'll let the animals give them a sense of home and community with you leading the way. Thank you so much, Alexis, for the ideas you have and the work you're doing. Thank you, Tracy, for having me and for allowing APA to kind of get the word out about this amazing opportunity and program. We're so appreciative. Thanks for listening. There are a few more special companies that make this show possible. I hope you will support their products because they stand behind my mission, which is to educate and inspire while entertaining. Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, creates holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. They make many non-chemical products for the inside and outside of your pets, as well as innovative foods like no hide and the hybrid dry food wisdom, which sometimes is all that my Blue Wimer runner Maisie will eat. My other sponsor is Cradle, which makes CBD calming products to reduce stress for dogs using broad spectrum CBD from U.S. grown hemp, formulated with a proprietary blend of nutraceutical ingredients. My Wanda Weimaraner couldn't get through thunderstorms without their cradle melts. And I'm grateful to Evermore Pet Food, which is privately owned by two extraordinary women who cook dog food from the most pristine human edible ingredients and ship it to your door in frozen pouches. It is higher quality and more ethically sourced than my own food. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this one guest version of Dog Talk and Kitties 2, and we'll listen to other episodes sometime soon.